Hey, this is Pastor Joaquin G. Molina from Spring of Life Fellowship, and I want to welcome you to our podcast. I hope you're encouraged with this message and you stay the course to change the world. God bless you. Father, thank you for this day. Thank you that you have separated a day called the Lord's Day, and we find ourselves on the Lord's Day in the Lord's house, listening to the Lord's Word from the servant of the Lord we pray father God that we might be able to open our hearts that our thoughts would be open to receive and welcome your word so we not sin against you so that we not walk contrary to your plans for our lives so we pray this morning that your word would be a good seed planted in good fertile hearts that would produce fruit a blossom of flourishing, of peace, of prosperity, of joy, and righteousness. Lord, we know that that this world is perishing, but the inner man is being renewed. We're being prepared for the supernatural. You are depositing an incorruptible seed of your word, of your life, that we might live that we might rejoice and that we might inherit the things that are laid up for us, Lord, through your work of redemption. Pray this morning, Lord, that your word would not return void, that we might seriously consider your word, that we might consider our ways and align ourselves up with pleasing you and living in the manner that your word shows us. So, Father, we pray that your word would be a lamp unto our feet, a light unto our path, that it would be the everlasting bread of life and nourish our spirit. We pray, Father God, that your word would be a double-edged sword and that it would penetrate the deepest part of our being and separate the soul from the spirit and allow us to walk in the spirit that we not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Be glorified today, Lord. Amplify your word in our hearts and perform it. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. So every week I, I'm always with, uh, I, I tell people I have my radars up and I'm asking God, what do you want your people to hear? And, and this morning the Lord made it super clear last night, all night, uh, this thing about a warped worship. Uh, we need to understand what, what the word warp means is twisted, it's distorted, it's abnormal, it's strange. It's the thing that is not in proper place. And this nation has lost its capacity to worship. And we can see that because the priorities are not in regards to pursuing God. And the Bible says, as goes The worship in a nation, so goes the nation. And because we've allowed our worship to be warped, the nation is twisted. The nation is bent out of shape. It's become strange and warped. I want to suggest just uh, recently uh, when the Twin Towers were knocked down and, and they... They were attacked. Uh, The entire country 
was so overwhelmed by the devastation of the attack upon our nation that the entire Congress went over to the Lincoln Memorial and uh, they, were, they also stood in front of the Capitol building and they began to sing in unison, God bless America. And that wasn't too long ago. And we see the devastation occurring in our nation today and we don't see anyone addressing the issue of God. We haven't seen a nation who has found a need for repentance. One of, the, one of the things that I see most effective in our generation is that people do not know how to repent. That becomes a devastation to any people because repentance is how do I get right with God? And when you've lost your capacity to get right with God, you've lost any hope of addressing those things that are wrong in your life. As I contemplate the prodigal son found himself super distant from his home, disconnected from his father, totally deranged in his disposition, and finding himself there with pigs, the Bible says he came to himself. So a person that doesn't come to himself and realize that he requires repentance and returning and restoring his relationship has no chance of fixing his life. And so that becomes a sad point. We read it this week earlier in Hebrews 12, 15, where the Bible says that, that Esau found no room for repentance. All that was left was roots of bitterness, and he sought repentance with, with tears, and he couldn't find it. So I'm saying uh, whatever is wrong in your life, uh, we already know that what's wrong in the nation, it's its inability to recognize a nation under God. We don't see government addressing heal our relationship with God so God can heal our nation. And so um, there's all sorts of missiles and torpedoes being sent over and delivered from different camps. Republican, Democrat, conservative, liberal, capitalist, socialist. Everybody's attacking on an earthly realm. But the true issue is that our worship has been warped. And we're going to see this in the word of God. When we talk about worship, we're talking about the manner in which we approach God. See, it has nothing to do with a horizontal existence. It's a vertical scenario. If you're having issues with your husband, don't look at the horizontal. Look at the vertical. Because when your ways please the Lord, even your enemies are at peace with you, the Bible says. When your ways please the Lord, even your enemies are at peace with you. So you're having a problem with your son. Don't look at the horizontal. Look at the vertical. You're standing before God as you worship determines your earthly plight. 
As I worship God, I see peace and joy and righteousness. And I see the pleasure of God being fulfilled in my life at levels that are amazing, miraculous, and glorious. So my issue is not my wife. My issue is not my son. My issue is not my daughter. My issue is, is my worship healed? Do I have a close relationship with God vertically? And when I fix the vertical, the horizontal is manifest. And we see this. So worship is the approach and my manner to value God's goodness. His abundance in my life is the justification for me to have peace in every realm. Um, the areas of my life that are still not manifesting his glory, they're gonna. It's just a matter of time. God makes all things beautiful in his time. So wherever there's a train wreck in my life, anything out of order, I'm going to worship God and trust in my authenticity and genuineness of worship, my God can do all things. His hand is not short that he cannot heal, save, and deliver. And the only downfall in my life is if my worship is compromised. If I've negotiated thinking that I can realize the flourishing of blessing while I neglect my worship of God. And that's the devil's deception. Bow down and serve me and I'll give you the glory of this world. We know that's a lie. The devil has nothing but to steal, to kill, and to destroy. John 10.10. 10. The thief comes but to create havoc in every expression of your life to dispossess you, to kill you, to destroy you, to bring you to utter ruin. But Jesus says, I've come that you might have life and that you might enjoy it because the measure is more abundantly. This is not rhetoric and it's not religion. This is reality. So worship is to value God's goodness because of the abundance of all things. Don't let the devil lock you in to that area of your life that is messed up. I always go to the Garden of Eden. God had given man all things to enjoy, all things to flourish, all things to take dominion, to be fruitful, to fill the earth and to be blessed. And the devil captured man's attention to one particular item in that garden, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. I would have, I would have taken the devil on a tour of the goodness of God. Don't, don't bring contempt to my life in the area that you want to highlight and amplify I'm going to tell you about the goodness and the mercy of God. Because if it weren't for the goodness and mercy of God, I couldn't take another breath. I couldn't enjoy the vast provisions of God. So the devil's expertise is bringing you back to that one place in your life that's so bitter, full of sewage, 
and stink and he has your head there sucking up the water. But you tell him, devil, get behind me. I'm going to enjoy the goodness of God. I'm not going to concentrate on the area of my life that the devil wants to ensnare me with. Worship the celebration of being in right relationship with God. That's your pursuit. That you celebrate the fact that you are living to be right with God. Don't let your worship be warped in a distorted understanding. Worship is not what God does for you. Worship is what you do for God. And he is seeking those who worship him in spirit and in truth. That means genuineness. The word used in John 4, 4, uh, prokuneo. The Father is worshiping those that worship, uh, that, that are, the, the Father is seeking those that will worship in spirit and in truth. Your worship has nothing to do with third parties. I'm not, I'm not worshiping today because I'm upset at my parents. I'm not worshiping today because I'm upset at my wife. I'm not worshiping today. I'm upset at my husband. This has nothing to do with anybody. It has to do with you and how you present yourself to God. Oh, I went to Cuba and a man says, I cannot worship the God of Israel because communism is in Cuba. I said, listen, when you close your door inside your house, what you worship determines your future. And if you don't worship a living God, you're a dead man. And it's not because of communism. It's your heart doesn't want to be right before God. I don't know, my, my dad left me when I was a little boy. Big deal. So did Moses' parents at the age of three months. He went to move in with Pharaoh. And that did not change the course of his destiny. Why? Because he worshiped God. He stood right with God. So he became the great deliverer, the answer to Israel's problem because his worship was not affected. Three months, the Bible says, book of Hebrews, chapter 11, it says in three months, he no longer lived with his parents, the rest of his life with fatherless. But his worship was excellent. And he found God, and he obeyed God, and moved with God. And we see him becoming a great instrument in the hands of God. Worship the celebration of being in right relationship with God. Connected in fellowship with the love of God. Listen, if you don't understand the love of God, you were destined to hell, and he so loved you, he gave you his son. It's an issue of knowing how much the Father loves you, the, the clarity of your worship is the value and the appreciation for what God has done for you. And it needs to correspond. There needs to be a reaction to that goodness of the Lord. Worship is a time set apart by God's people to demonstrate the genuineness of your praise and thanksgiving.
You don't go to church. A lot of people say, I don't go to church because I don't like the people that are there. It's not about the people that are there. I don't like church because uh, it takes up my time. This is not about your time, sir. This is God's time. The Lord's day. The day of worship. And because you cannot perfect worship, you can't give God genuineness in the expression of gratefulness. How sad it is. I always prayed. I said, Lord, please let me serve you while I have the capacity to stand on my feet and breathe without an oxygen tank and walk without a wheelchair. Let me worship you before the days become cruel and evil and dark. I don't know what it is to, to say, okay, Lord, if you heal me, I'll worship you. If you take away this brain tumor, I'll worship you. If, if I can walk, I'll go to church now. No, my friend, you already had the strength, the vitality, the energy to serve God. Serve him with all your might. Give him the best of your days so that your future will be established. So we're talking about warped worship, and I want to suggest that there's all manner of expressions in the Bible of people that did not know how to worship right, and life became a total devastation because they despised the genuineness, the authenticity of a celebration that's yours to bring before God. It's yours. You have the time. You have the determination. You have the willingness to serve all manner of things except God. You become an expert in every field except worship. The devil has fooled you. You're on the phone eight hours a day. And you are transacting commerce. You're in the business world. And then you say, I don't know how to worship God. And the Lord says, you know something? The way that you serve industry, the way that you serve your um, expertise, how you serve your clients, that's the measure God's going to use on how you worship him. How you you." You express your disposition. Um, I, was, I was blown away this week. I don't know if it was 20 minutes or 60 minutes or 2020. In South Africa, they built an elevator. Listen to this. An elevator that goes down to the crust of the earth two miles. Imagine sitting in an elevator for two miles going to the crust of the earth. To the depth of the earth. You know why they do that? Not to worship that God. They, they worship their God, which is gold. Imagine digging down deep, two miles. We're not talking about 20 feet, 200 feet, 2,000 feet. Two miles to the depth of the crust of the earth. And then when they're there, they're pulling out gold. And they said, you know something? There's something mysterious about this depth of the bottom of the earth. At the bottom of the earth, the only thing we found were worms. Worms that do not die, the Bible says. A fire that is not quenched. At the depth of the earth is hell. And they saw some worms down there. And I'm like, this is freaky. 
This is weird how man has a disposition to do a thousand things, but then when it comes to worship, he acts like a fool. He acts like God has not given him the capacity to celebrate, to be in right relationship with God, to recognize and give it, listen, the word worship is worth. Give it the value. The prokuneo is, is to express your thankfulness toward a good God. So years ago here at the church, there was a man who was like, he's like, I'm like, what's wrong with you, sir? He says, you don't know. My father left me when I was a child. I said, yeah, well, talk to me about the good things in your life. A, a, a multimillionaire woman adopted him. He went to the best schools. He had the best chauffeur. He had, he had all things good in his life. The Lord was there. When your father and your mother leave you, God is there and you deserve to worship and honor the Most High. And you have occasion to rejoice and to be glad and see the, the providential bounty of his goodness upon your life. You don't deserve what you have. But God has given it to you. Worship God. Recognize his goodness in your direction, sir. Give God your best and quit letting the devil lick your wounds. And so by the time this man finished telling me how horrible his life, both of us rejoiced at the faithfulness of God that when his father wasn't there, God was there full blast. Because he's a good father. He's worthy of your praise and worship. And if you're warped in your worship, you can't give him. God was going to be good to his people. And they were to offer appreciation and joy for having such a good and generous God. And sometimes, the, they, you know, you need to enumerate your blessings in order for you to give worship. Start, start saying, look, I have a wife, I have children, I have health, I have kidneys, I have a heart, I have lungs, I have eyes, I have ears, I, I, I have clothes, I have a house, I have food. You begin to count your blessings and there's no manner of limit. David would say, your blessings upon my life are incalculable, innumerable. When I start seeing the goodness of God. And so this requires of me to give him excellent praise. I'm not going to be daydreaming at the time of worship. I'm not going to be missing out. I'm not going to bring every excuse to the table so that I don't have to go to the house of God. I'm not going to let anything replace my family being at the altar of the Lord. That they might hear the goodness of God. That they might contemplate his beauty. That they might hear his words resound in their spirit. I'm not going to miss my worship. I'm not going to let rocks take my place. I'm not going to bring filled with excuses that are just, just lame. Lame excuses. If you were to treat your worship the way you treat your job, you would get a promotion. But if you were to treat your job the way you worship, you'd get fired. Oh, Pastor, I, I'm sure to make it at least once a month on Sunday to the house of the Lord. 
Brother, try to make it once a month to your work. You'd be fired. You'd be re released. You'd be removed. You'd be replaced. Our worship needs to be excellent. God is, is worthy of glory, worthy of praise, worthy of celebration, not imposed religion, genuine expression of his goodness in my life. Thank God for your eyebrows if you have some. You look miserable without them. Thank God for everything you have. Thank God for your fingers, for your fingernails. Thank God for your toes. Thank God for your barber, for your beauty salon. Thank God for makeup. <laughs> Hallelujah. Thank God for making us beautiful. Thank God for friends. Thank God for sisters and brothers. Thank God for uncles and aunts. Thank God for neighbors. Begin to manifest your worship. All these things are the expression of the mercy of God upon our life. If it weren't for God, we would have been consumed. We've been consumed. So the penalty that God brings upon those who worship wrong are seen throughout the Bible. I don't have to go again to Cain and Abel. Cain brought leftovers. Abel brought the best. The Bible says that Cain's offering was not acceptable to the Lord. He's like, listen, sir, what you bring to offer up to me is not worthy of what I've done in your life. Take that back. And it caused his countenance to fall. Those people that are most miserable, it's not because they're miserable, it's because they don't know how to worship. They don't know how to measure and value and weigh the goodness of God in their lives. And you know, as they walk, and this is the devastation, they walk away from God and they try and find this in an empty, selfish world. That God would give them the, the fruit of repentance and a return to worship the living God. That they might know that the best is on the table when they worship with excellence. And so Genesis 4.13, Cain says these words, my punishment is too heavy. It's too great. I can't bear it. That's why suicide becomes an attractive alternative to those who don't worship. You take your life because the life that God has given you, that you were created to worship, you've walked away from worship and now you want to die. The devil has stripped you because your worship is twisted. You see there in Leviticus 10, the sons of Aaron begin to offer strange fire. And it says in verse 2, that fire came out from the presence of the Lord and devoured them. And they died. Fire. If you don't think that God judges a nation when they stop to worship God, sit back and watch. We have no more peace in this nation. We have no tranquility. The music is insane. What they're offering up as those things that bring pleasure and relaxation. We went to play golf yesterday, early morning, 7 o'clock. These guys had the, the radios put on. And, and it was just one curse after another curse after another curse. I was like, wow, 7 o'clock in the morning to hear this crap? 
crap is a combination between country and rap. It's called crap. Fire from heaven that devoured those that tried, verse 1, the sons of Aaron. They took censers. They put what they had to offer and offered profane fire before the Lord, which he had not commanded them. You, You start doing things God has not told you to do. It's, oh, it's Sunday, it's the Lord's Day, so I'm going to go to the beach. I'm going to take the day off. No, my friend, Sunday is not the day to take off. It's not your vacation day. It's not your day of rest to do what you please. Sunday is the day of the Lord. Come and present yourself in Sunday's best. What's that mean? I'm going to go see God. I'm going to make sure that my shoes are shined, that my clothes is bright. I'm going to present myself before God and say, Lord, heaven's bounty is upon my life. I've done nothing to deserve it. It's been your mercy. It's been your goodness. It's been your incredible, bountiful providence. It's the provision from heaven. And you can't leave home without it. You can't. The sons of Eli, 1 Samuel chapter 2, they were messing up their worship. The Lord removed them. 1 Samuel 2, 17, the sin of the two sons of the high priest was very great before the Lord because they led others to hate God. Imagine if your worship is so stale that people in your life don't want to worship where you worship? And then if they see the livelihood, if they see the flourishing, if they see the fruitfulness of your joy, of your peace, of your marriage relationship, of your children, they're like, I want to worship with you. Where is it that you worship? I want to gather with you. You're attractive in the manner you serve God. And some of us are so bummer. I have to go to church now. Listen. Open the heavens for yourself. Worship God with your best. Have a, a, an attitude adjustment. Have, a, have a, a, a disposition before God that you come and bring him your best. The Bible says because they brought those things which did not please the Lord, Ichabod, no glory, Verse 22, when Eli found out at a very old age what his sons were doing, how they were with women inside the temple, they were having sex with women, Eli, verse 23, says to them, why are you doing such things, little boy? Why are you doing such evil things? I hear your evil doings from the people. He wasn't attentive to how their worship had been deviated and warped. And so this whole family is removed from the priesthood. They're they're removed from their call because their worship was twisted. Malachi chapter 1. The Lord says, why do you ask me in what way your life displeases me? Verse 7, you present rotten food on my altar. The, 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 the corrupt, lame, 
bringing before me just a life that has no expression of healthiness. You're, you're treating the table of the Lord with contempt. Because how goes your worship, so goes your open heavens. As goes your disposition, genuine celebration of the goodness of God, you either live a life full of his goodness or super sad. When you present things to the Lord, <clears throat> verse 10, who is there even among you who would shut the doors? I'd rather the church be closed so that you would not kindle a fire on my altar uselessly. I have no pleasure in you, says the Lord, nor will I accept what you're trying to offer me from your hands. I, I don't know how to describe this. Listen, I, I consider worship, and I'm going to just be real right now. Worship is intimacy with God. And I'm not going to get into your intimacy with God like I don't get into your intimacy with your wife. If you're not being close to your wife to enjoy the marital bed, something is not right. And so just like I won't ask you how your sex life is doing, it concerns me that you're not giving God intimacy in that realm between you and him. But as goes that reality, so goes your life. And if you have issues in coming before God and being genuine, you, you need to go there. You need to repent and say, God, forgive me. Because I'm not giving you my best. Forgive me that I don't know how to express how good you've been to me. Forgive me for being a selfish, self-centered pig. That's, that's what's happening in the life of the prodigal son. He realizes that he needs to go back into connection with God. And God says, as long as you're not giving me your best, I'm not interested in a relationship. Because I've given you my best. How many know God gave us his best? Continually. My favorite verses is Romans 8.32. He says, he gave you his son first as an evidence that he's going to give you all things freely. If he gave you his son to die on the cross, it says, he who did not spare his own son, but he delivered him up for us all. Say us all. Us all. He gave his son for us all. How shall he not with his son also freely give you all things. So those of you that are serving the world with greater excellence than serving God, the devil has your lunch. Because the one who's going to give you the best he has was the one who gave you the best he had from the front end. He gave you his son. So why are you giving them leftovers? Why are you barely knowing how to worship God? Why is it that you're not endeavoring to find out how you can present yourself pleasingly to him entirely with all your giftings that he's giving you also by the way Deuteronomy 28 we got to hurry up here verse 47 this is it because you did not give God because you did not serve the Lord your God with joy and gladness in the heart because of the abundance of everything he's given you doesn't that like square it away now? That our worship is warped when we have received everything God is giving us and the, the things are laid up that he's still going to give us that are down the future because you're his son and he's pleased by you. 
that because that wasn't sufficient to serve him with joy and gladness, you're still like bummed out because you're not walking in a direction of some pursuit that you have that's outside of God's provision. But because you did not serve the Lord your God with joy and gladness of heart. Listen, this tells me nothing is missing in your life, Joaquin. Nothing's missing in your life. Everything is, is whole. Everything's been healed. Everything has been touched by the hand of the Lord. For the abundance of everything. Because I don't do that, verse 48 says, I will be given to my enemies. Demons will come into my life. Because I choose not to worship God in joyful gladness because of the abundance of all things. Now my enemies whom the Lord will send. Who will send? The Lord will send against you. So that maybe if you go through a little hunger, a little thirst, a little nakedness. Maybe if you go through the need of everything. Maybe if you're under a yoke of iron. Until you're destroyed, maybe you'll understand what worship is all about. How could we have thought for a second that worship is luxury? That worship is just, eh, just a little bit of a good thing that good people do. No, my friend, it's an essential. It's an essential that we serve him with gladness and with joy for the abundance of all things. You know what happens to a nation that has all things and that has abundance and has peace and doesn't worship? Because everything was going well in my life, I decided I would spend a couple of weeks starving, thirsty, famine, not going to the house of God. Maybe, maybe this whole thing is, is a time to see how intense we need to worship. I, I, I bring a charge against every national and local leader that is pointing to any resolution of the present state of affairs that does not put at the forefront the excellence of our worship. From the president, the the Congress, the representative, the governors, the mayors, the commissioners, the local leaders. If you're not worshiping God, don't find an answer outside of the present state of doom. You don't have to go looking for the economy. You don't have to go be looking for the, the value of, of school and business and the economy, and political parties. That's not the answer. The answer is, will America worship God again? Will America worship God again? Because that's the only thing that has kept us outside of the devastation of the remaining world kingdoms. Those, those countries that worship false gods, and now we have decided we don't need to worship God because of the abundance of all things, because of his blessing for so many years. Maybe hunger and maybe thirst and nakedness and need of everything will cause America to return to God. I, I see in these last days there's two examples I want to put. First is... 
Rebecca steals some idols from her father, Laban, and she hides them under her tent. There's some women here that don't want to let go of their past and are trying to make their family's future that where they come from. They're, they're dragging baggage under their tent, and, and it's an abomination. They're false gods. They're, they're, they're false paradigms and measures you need to put away the, the gods of your fathers that were false and start serving the living God because you're cursing your family. You're holding on to emotional baggage, trying to drag that into a new kingdom where Jesus is Lord. We're not walking in, in depression. We're not walking in, in mindsets of the past that hold us a snare to future hope. We had a family here in our church. Their, their mother, father, and older brother died, the Gill family. And I walked into that family, and they had mourned for 10 years. Now they were married, George and Stephanie, and they had children. And you walk into their house, and they didn't want to touch anything. Their, their house was a museum to the death and the loss of their parents that had happened a decade before. And I walked in there. I said, listen, you guys honored your parents long enough. Get all this stuff out and start living the new life you have in Christ. Your marriage is awesome. Your kids are awesome. Your future is bright. But a lot of people want to live in their past. Flush it down the toilet. Get rid of your past and start enjoying your future. Serve God with gladness, with joyful. Worship him for the abundance of his goodness in your life now. Quit living in your past. <laughs> Quit living in your past. What happened in the past stays in the past. It was already celebrated, honored, and buried. Now you have to... Uh, Enjoy your marriage. Enjoy your children that God has given you. Enjoy your family. We need to learn how to worship because worship will keep us on the, on the cutting edge. The second thing is in the book of Joshua verse, uh, chapter 7, when, when this man Achan decides that he's going to go conquer the land and he finds a, a, a block of gold and a Babylonian blanket and he took it when he wasn't supposed to. And some of you think that your prosperity is that which you garner in your plunder of this world. Your blessing is not those things. It's your relationship with God. And when you make anything else a, a token, what's it called, a good luck charm for going forward and being blessed, you're cursing your camp. You won't have any more victories. God wants you to serve him, not hang on to a Babylonian Blanket. The Bible says when they found out that this man had taken what God had told them not to take, they began cursed and they got defeated in the battles that they would fight. In verse 12, we're reading Joshua 7 verse 12. He says, that is why the soldiers of Israel could not stand to defend themselves before the armies. They turned their backs and ran before them because they have become a curse. I will not be with you, says the Lord, anymore unless you destroy those things that are under the ban among you. God is not going to fight our battles if we're making other things our strength. You cannot be giving more serious time to anything in your life but your worship to God. And if anything else is above that, you curse your family. You curse your children. You curse your blessing. And the Lord says in verse 13, rise up and consecrate yourselves. Set yourselves apart for tomorrow the Lord will come. And these things that are under the band of you 
You cannot stand before your enemies until you remove these things. Until you don't bring excellence of praise and worship to your house, you are a cursed family. If you have a father of the house that places more priority and importance on things above worship, all he's doing is destroying his family. Let the demons come in there and take their spoil. Verse 15, it shall be that the one who is chosen with the things under these things prohibited shall be killed, his body burned with fire. He and all that he belongs because he has transgressed the covenant of the Lord because he has done this disgraceful and disobedient thing in Israel. We all know that Achan had stolen a Babylonian robe. Verse 21, he confesses, when I saw the spoil a beautiful Babylonian garment and 200 shekels of silver and a wedge of gold. When he saw things, he coveted them and he took them. And there they are hidden in the ground underneath his tent. He, when you grab things that you think that are going to be your prosperity, don't you know that God is your prosperity? And if you're bringing things and you're saying to your house, look, the reason we're blessed is because I, I did this behind the scenes. Listen, you're cursed. You are cursed and all your family's cursed because you're displacing the excellence of your worship before God. I'm about to finish now and I want to ask you a question. Is your worship warped? Have you decided to bring prosperity and peace Through things created and not the creator. Throughout the Bible, those people who are selfish and self-centered have sacrificed their worship at the expedience of natural things. When I read the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah, you say, I know why they destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. is because there was homosexuality and rape and perversion. And the Bible says, no. There was no worship. Ezekiel 16, 49. A warped worship says you don't have to present yourself before God to celebrate his goodness anymore. You do it half-heartedly. You do it at leftovers. You do it with rotten things, with the lame, with the blind. You don't come with the best of your prosperity and say, Lord, I want to honor you. Look, this was the iniquity of Sodom. She and her daughters were proud They were satisfied with the fullness of food, and they had an abundance of idleness. Neither did they strengthen the hand of the poor or the needy. Their worship did not include looking out for the needs of others. Their their sin was the fullness of food. They were satisfied. They had no need. They walked in pride. They had an abundance of nothing to do. I want to suggest that when... God addresses this in the life of his people in Haggai chapter 1 verse 5. The Lord says, consider your ways and be thoughtful in your reflect of your conduct. Today I want you to look at your worship. I I want you to seriously see who you're surrounded with when you worship. Who are those people that have decided to give their best to God? Look how he says, verse 6, the reason you're planting a lot and not getting a harvest 
You sow much and bring in little. You work your tail off and there's nothing to show for it. You eat but do not have enough strength. You drink but you are not filled. You clothe yourselves but are not warm. And he who is earning a salary, wages, earns wages to put it in a bag with holes. The economic prosperity that you're seeking is directly determined by the worship you offer. Verse 7, he says, you have sown much but receive little. The Lord of hosts says, consider your ways. Okay, Lord, I want to know what's happening. Tell me what's happening. Verse 8, go up to the hill and bring wood. Build my temple. Worship me with excellence so I could take pleasure in it and be glorified. When God says devastation, he doesn't go to government. He doesn't go to political party. He doesn't go to ideology. He doesn't go to a worldview perspective. He goes to the house of God. Go to the highest place, bring down wood, and build me a temple. Verse 9. So I could take pleasure. You looked for much, but indeed you came back with little. And when you brought it home, I blew it away. Why, says the Lord, because of my house lies in ruins while every one of you runs to his own house. You've made your house a priority. You made your family a priority. You made your business a priority. You made your, uh, your finances a priority. And God's saying, my house is in ruins. Go build it so I might take pleasure in it. Verse 10, therefore, because of you, the heavens above you withhold its provision. I want you to think about this a second. If God was going to begin to pour out provision in your life, all the dew of heaven and the earth that is withholding its fruit. Verse 11 says, I called a drought on the land, on the hillside, on the grain, the new wine, the oil. On what the ground produces, on men, on cattle, on all the works of your hands. I've held all this up. Verse 12. Because of this place that lies in ruins. Because of my house that is not being considered. I want you to consider it today. Has God answered your question? You say, Amen. I know now what I have to do. I know now on my perspective in the coming days and years, I know that I'm going to start giving God my best so that I can start seeing his best in my life. Lord, heal our hearts. Allow there to be produce in the land depending on the worship. God says that when we fix worship, chapter 2, verse 22, he says the distant future will be me overthrowing kingdoms. I will destroy the strength of Gentiles and the kingdoms. I will overthrow their chariots and those who ride them, the horse and the rider shall come down, everyone by the sword of his brother. Everyone is going to be shaken 
because of these issues. Let's stand this morning and ask God and say, God, you have spoken to me clearly. I have a message for the world. As goes my worship, so goes the nation. As goes the worship, so goes my house. As goes my worship. We have all manner of phone calls coming in from wives. And they're like, oh, because my husband is this. And I tell them, how's your worship? They said, terrible. Then you deserve a terrible husband. We have husbands calling. My wife is all this. I says, how's your worship? It's not doing good. Then you should have a terrible wife. We have sons saying their fathers are not doing what they should. I asked the son, how's your worship? Haven't been worshiping God. You should consider your parents a curse because you're walking in darkness. You're not honoring them. You're not seeking their pleasure. This, this whole season of a son is to bring joy to the heart of his parents. And I know it's difficult. The Bible says that Christ learned obedience by suffering. Our worship needs to be polished. We each need to go back to our altar before the Lord. The issues around you are not a matter of issues around you. They're a matter of looking up to the heavens. David says, where comes my help from him who created the heavens and the earth? Nothing will stop God from prospering a nation whose heart is right before the Lord. So, Father, this day we thank you for being in the house of God. We thank you for considering your word. We're convicted. We understand that if we have a warped worship, we're going to have a warped world. We're going to have warped parents, warped children, warped families, a warped economy. A nation like Venezuela, who's one of the riches in the petroleum and oil fields, and yet it's the poverty-stricken country that has failed to worship the God of petroleum, of oil. The United States has become a land so strong that we think we don't need to worship. We have elected leaders who don't fear God. We have asked those that are blind to lead us. Those who have not been in the presence of God, those who do not please God, those who do not seek the pleasure of God, we've elected them to office. Those that are walking in an abomination and backwards, their personal lives are not worthy to be leading a family and yet we've put them in a place of office, public service, when they're blind and they're deaf and they're dumb and they're lame. Lord, if we don't begin to elect those who worship God like Daniel, the only fault that they could find in him in a worldly understanding was dictate a law that interrupts his worship, then he will be a criminal because he refuses to stop worshiping God. Give us leaders like Daniel. Give us those who pray three times a day, who seek the pleasure of God in their lives. Give us leaders like Joseph, who says, I cannot sin against my God and be corrupt and immoral and perverted. Give us leaders that change the world. Give us men of God who stop preaching a social gospel and refuse to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. Father, we pray for a God-fearing nation. 
a, God, a, a nation that worships God in spirit and in truth. We pray for Miami and all the families that are here, the Latinos, the Hispanics who think that they are industrious and that they're hardworking and diligent, but they forgot to worship. They don't know how to worship. Every time they worship, they go to idols. They go to the false gods. They have put those gods in our homes, in their tents. They haven't taught their children how to worship the one true God. They refuse to allow the Bible to speak into their families and to lead their families by example. As a father worships, so his son will worship. When a, a son decides to follow a father who doesn't worship, all there is left to do is insanity and darkness and confusion. So allow us to worship you in spirit and in truth, Lord. Allow us to return to the house of the Lord. Allow us to return our hearts to the God of heaven. Heal our nation and return us to the heart of worship. In Jesus' name we pray and the people of God say amen and amen and amen. Greet one another in the love of the Lord. On Wednesday we'll be live streaming again. And I'll see you next Sunday. God bless you. Love you.